great. Hello, welcome to another um, episode of my podcast, which is called My Heroes Have Always Been Good People. I tried to talk to people that I've met along the way who are not only great that they do, but are also just genuine people. And my guest today is Reagan Winton. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. Thank you. And Reagan and I met a couple weeks ago outside of the David Byrne Production Theater of the Mind. And I finally got to see it last Thursday. Oh, good. Yeah. Got to meet David. That was very, it's a very cool production. Mm-hmm. I to go back and experience it again. And it kind of reminded me of Meow Wolf. Yeah, it's a similarly immersive experience, um, kind of like Meow Wolf is. Uh, yeah, but I'm glad you got to go through because we've, you know, intentionally designed it to be really accessible for all different people with all different unique ways of moving through. So, right. Now, did you help other than like the accessibility factor were you involved in the production? Yeah, so no, well, I I served as the accessibility consultant on it. So that kind of spanned um, a a bit of the artistic side, um, particularly because my friend Maggie Whittem uh, is in the show and she's a stroke survivor and so, Um, you know, it's awesome that they've cast a a performer with a disability as one of the, you know, like 10 guides or whatever that that take you through. Um, So there were some unique adjustments for her that that, um, we explored in terms of the actual, uh, you know, experience for the actor, as well as a little bit of text that we, that was adjusted to make it more inclusive. And then the, the bulk of it was really looking at what is the experience of moving through because it is immersive and you're in a small group of like 16 people that's going through and having these different um, interactive uh, experiences throughout. So we wanted to make sure that that was gonna be accessible for everybody. Yeah, I felt like, you know, there were little minor things that were just to do someone in the chair, but it wasn't like crazy, you know, because sometimes what drives me nuts about some venues is like Red Rocks, for example, either you're in the front row or you're in the back row, nothing between. And I get it that aesthetically and so forth, there's not really a way to around that, but it's it, yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard. I mean, you know, like it, we 
we want to fight for better inclusion, obviously, of the disability community. And um, yet we have a world, uh, a built world that's been created in a certain way. And um, when you, especially, yeah, when you think of something like Red Rocks that is like, was built during, you know, the Roosevelt era um, and is built on the side of a huge, you know, rock face mountain kind of thing. It's like, yeah. uh, so I like going and sitting in the first row. The last row, I mean, it's a nice view, but, um, but you're right. Yeah. Funny. It's like a perfect representation of how sometimes with access, some, you know, it can feel like there's no in between. It's like, you know, this end or that end. And it's actually yeah. like, well, there is this whole spectrum in between. So if we can try to, you know, build more in that, exactly. in that way. Though. Exactly. And, you know, I have friends of mine who say, well, it must be cool that just because you're in the chair, you can get the front row. And <laughs> I joke back, you know, I was gladly give up that front row of the concert, if you did not use my bathroom stall for an office or uh -huh. like sexual liaison. I mean, uh -huh. uh, over the years of traveling, I swear, like at airports and stuff, I've, I've seen and heard many things go on in a handicap stall that maybe shouldn't be. Yes. Yeah. And the way I see it is if there's sex going on, I better be a part of it. Right, yeah, exactly. Willingly, willingly. Right, right. But, yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of histories in those handicap stalls are accessible. Yeah. Stalls, there's no question about it. That, that might be a kind of cool, like play or something. Oh yeah, if, that could be an immersive experience. If, you go into yeah, the stall if, and you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Indeed, for long talk and walk. Right, exactly. Okay, I'm gonna start thinking about this. Yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of, you know, and you can you find accessible stalls everywhere, so you can mount this show, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I read a little bit on your history. Until we met, I never heard of you, and maybe vice versa. And it's, it's funny because in the entertainment world, like either, like people are very familiar, sometimes too familiar with if you know what I mean, or they, and no clue because, like, for example, in the past week, I went to the High Plains Comedy Festival. Oh, nice. That's going on here in Denver or yeah. just 
concluded last night, and you know, comedy fans know me, and I get respect. But then I, I went to see Corey Feldman. Oh, uh-huh. uh, he's doing comedy now? No, actually, Corey has a band. Oh. And my friend Zach DeBono was opening for him. And like I had met Corey previously, so I wanted to go and say hi and got to, but there were people there that didn't know who I was. And I said, yeah, I'm a famous comedian. And they were like, oh, good for you. And then I was like, no, really, you know. And luckily with technology now, I'm like, here, Google me. Yeah. And then they're like, oh my God, you are. Yeah. Yeah. I think we just need to get you like a a shirt, a bedazzled shirt that says, I'm legit, you know? Exactly. Anything bedazzled makes you legit. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what I learned from all the people that use bedazzled things. Exactly. So you were an actress before the accident, correct? Yeah, I mean, I grew up, I, I really actually was more of a um, an athlete when I was growing up. I played soccer and softball and went to Denver East High School in Denver, go Angels. Um, and, uh, but and yeah, in, in high school is really where I started getting involved in doing plays and musicals at the East Theater Department. And, um, and so then I, you know, it, it was nothing really professional about it. There was like one time that I went to a, some agent from LA had come into like, you know, audition child actors or something and yeah. they selected me and, you know, I was like, oh, you can move to LA, but you get out to, you know, t- you take your parents and you live in an you know, a like short-term rental apartment for months and hope that you get something. And I was just like, that is not what I, that's not what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about being in theater and, you know, kind of like doing smaller work where you're really engaging with people. Um, So I auditioned for a few schools for college and I also applied to the film program at USC and got into the film school. And so I, I planned to go and become a filmmaker um, at USC and, uh, and then my life kind of took a different turn. And when I was at USC, I was paralyzed, um, on the 10 freeway in LA. And so that, you know, really shifted my life. And, and really at that point, I didn't think, I didn't think there was any possibility that was 20 years ago. And, you know, that was probably when you were out in LA, like doing comedy, you know, like it was, it, it, very little I mean aside from you and maybe a handful of other of other people in comedy or theater or entertainment with yeah. that had disabilities like so anyway it just was not it was not something where I was like oh I'm gonna get right back into theater because my whole body had changed my whole life had changed and um and luckily I came back to Denver and was exposed to family theater company in Denver um which was a group of actors with disabilities who you know kind of 
brought brought the um, you know the possibility back that I could I could continue to be an actor. So that's that's really when I kind of you know went more headlong into it um, was really post injury. Yeah, I'm not not real. I mean, I know what family is, and like I did the yearly like benefit show one year, and we have a couple mutual friends like Edith Weiss. Edith. Does some stuff with family. Yes, she's done a lot with family. She did stand up in the 80s and 90s, so I know her from that world, but I've actually never run into her yet in the theater world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a couple productions that I've meant to go to, but I'm always touring or, you know. Too busy, yeah. Yeah, but it's good that exists to give people with disabilities like an opportunity that they may not have had otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and family, you know, it's it's a very, it's spelled P-H-A-M-A-L-Y because when the founders created it, um, it was called the Physically Handicapped Amateur Musical Actors League, which is a total mouthful, uh, but they wanted it to have the feeling of a family that was supportive, which I think therefore can, when people don't know family, they can think of it as a very kind of like patronizing, you know, it's like, oh, what a cute, cute little you know, theater group for, for performers with disabilities. And, and really it's become a, a leading professional theater that does main stage big productions that are very well regarded and really groundbreaking and, and trailblazing in terms of incorporating disability into theater. So, um, so I was so fortunate, you know, to be there and get to work with extraordinary actors and performers who made me better and also brought me back to like what what I could do with my instrument. You know, my instrument, yeah. it was now on wheels, but I can still do a lot and bringing that identity into my work too. And that's one thing Edith did. She was really instrumental in creating the Vox Familia program, which was at, actors in family who all have disabilities writing and performing their own material. Um, and so she was, you know, she was part of getting that getting that started and did it for many years with family it's still going um and i think that's one of the best programs family has that's very cool very cool yeah i myself in 95 i performed at an award show and this guy said i'm one of the producers of baywatch i'm Mm -hmm. I want to write an episode for you. And of course, you know, in my career, I've heard a million story, you know, like for example, the Wayne Brothers, this is a funny story. 
story. They did a movie. It got this long title like Don't Drink Your Juice in the Hood. Don't be a menace to society while drinking your juice in the hood. Yeah. But there is a character in that movie named Crazy Legs. Yes. Who is a funny guy in a wheelchair. Did that sound familiar? Yeah, and you're like, yo, that's me. Well, <laughs> no, it's based on me. I auditioned to play me, and I didn't get the part. Oh. How wild is that? <laughs> but, but anyway, like a couple years later, this guy says, and one of the producers of Baywatch, and when I read an episode for you, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, months later, I get a call, and they're like, we're almost done with the script. We'll shoot in two weeks. And Amazing. Like, what? So wait, did you go? Did you put on a little speedo, and were you on Baywatch? I was on Baywatch. It's season six, episode eighteen, called Lost and Found. Oh, and, and I helped write a tiny part of the script, like they incorporated some of my stand-up acts into the episode, but basically it's, it's about a comedian in a wheelchair protesting lack of access to the beach. And, oh. and in the episode, Pamela Anderson, who's very sweet by the way, Pamela was really cool to work with, but her and one of her fellow lifeguards build like an accessible wheelchair that can go through the sand. And oh, so, yeah. And like the prop people on Baywatch actually built this thing. But the cool part about it is since they did that, like some real engineers have come up with the real McCoy. Yeah, oh yeah, now they have, like down in San Diego, I know they have like power wheelchairs that go yeah. on. Yeah, and so it's cool to be like a part of history. And yeah, and you never know where it's going to be made on Baywatch. I mean, oh, I love the props people. Props people are the best. They often come up with shit that like, we should be developing in other places, you know, so. Uh, exactly. And what's funny is, like, my big scene, because I was on throughout the episode, because people, when I say I was on Baywatch, they assume, okay, you had one scene, you really came in. No, they wrote it. 
for me. Yeah, that's amazing. But like the big scene which I think of myself, the Pamela Anderson, the protest not being able to get to the people. Oh, poor you. Poor you. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you guys would kill for that. <laughs> but, and, and I still, somewhere in my massive memorabilia, I have the handcuffs. Have the handcuffs? Like, we put it a piece of masking tape on him, and she signed him. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. But um, anyway, where I was going with that is that was something that was very specific, written for me. But then, like, six months later, I got offered the part in Touch by an Angel. Remember mm -hmm. that show? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And I turned it down because it, the character was too much of a attaboy and a boy little. Yeah. And it's like, no, I'm not. You're like, I want Baywatch and like the, you know, the sexy well, is not touched by an angel. Well, and even Baywatch, when they first started yeah. writing the script, like there was a, a part of the story arc that I would ask him on the day or he did the character and you know deal with that whole thing about why would a hot chick date right. in the chair, blah blah blah. And right. and in the end they pooped it because they were like, well no one's gonna believe it. And that I get it, you know, because it's Hollywood, blah, blah, blah. But I think that would have been kind of cooler in a way to get rid of that stigma. Mm -hmm. Because I know that I've been married twice and divorced, um, but both my wives and girlfriends that had over the years, you know, people wonder, well, why she with him, you know? And then people really are bold enough to ask, you know? I remember being out on a day, and this was someone who's in the public eye and said something like, is this a make-a-wish? And, <laughs> and she was like, well... Make-a-wish dating? Yeah, exactly. It's like, no. Wow. 
Yeah. yeah, people are bold. I mean, but a lot of the time I look at other people that, well, I don't know, in my experience, like you can have people that have no disabilities, are super hot, you know, whatever, whatever the like traditional mold is of what we think, what we're told we should want. And those are the most messed up people of all. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's just yeah. so funny. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of ignorance. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know about you, but I really have to remind myself to pick my battles. Yes. Because yeah. not everyone who's ignorant wants to be not ignorant, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And uh, you can talk up a blue streak and they still won't get it. And yeah. for example, I'm checking my email this morning. There was a comment on one of my YouTube videos from the old show, Evening at the Improv. And the comment was, I only got halfway through the video and it's too cringy for me. <laughs> and like, I really, I had to watch the clip again because there was like 92 or 93. So I didn't even remember what jokes I did on that. Mm -hmm. But there was nothing cringy. The cringe part came from the viewer who was just uncomfortable that A, I'm in the chair, and B, my speech is right. not perfect. Yeah. I mean, there are so many people. I, I have to remember that, number one, especially when you're online or on social media, like there are troll people out there who will just say things for no reason. And then, you know, yeah, there are just, we still live in a society that was created and, you know, still operates under very ableist um, principles. And it's amazing to me how, how people don't know how to deal with difference or, you know, how uncomfortable it still makes people so much when they, um, you know, a, a disability of different kinds or anything that makes them like uncomfortable about their own vulnerabilities. And, and again, it's like, okay, great. You deal with your own, your own stuff. Like, I don't have to interact with you. Um, right. And for that one person who finds it cringy, there are probably 500 people who loved that routine, you know, right. so whatever those, there are a lot of people in the world and we don't have to, we don't have to please all of them and we don't have to engage with all of them. And I just always have to remember that. And I think the people that, you know, I think we gravitate towards and we attract the people that like we're yeah. supposed to spend our time with. And, yeah. um, but, but yeah, it's just, I don't, it's, it is, Sometimes it is just appalling though, when you feel like, oh, we've made so much progress and then there can still be these like very Luddite, you know, kind of simplistic buffoons out there with their- Oh yeah. 
I know that like a, a week ago and maybe two weeks ago, the first time I was going to the theater, the mind preview, I didn't think it because the Uber driver refused to take me if I didn't have an attendant with me. And I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I travel all over the world. Yeah, yeah, I need you to put the wheelchair in the trunk and get it out there. Otherwise, I can transfer just fine. You know, and the guy was adamant and like, he told my assistant he was not going with me and would had to, you know, take care of her kids. And he was like, no, I will call the cops. And he, and he called the cops. He called the cops. Call the cops because on you? Yeah. Because oh, my God. Like, dude. And, and you're like, and I will file a lawsuit, my friend. Exactly. No Dear Uber. <laughs> yeah. And that's still like in the process of getting solved because that I know of, there's no way to designate if you have a mobility device or whatever. And there should be. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there should. I mean, because otherwise we just have to be like, you know, we're put in so many situations where we have to charm our, our way into things that people normally just take for granted, you know, but we yeah. have to be like super nice and explain and, you know, just to get a little bit of extra help, like putting our, our chair into the car. And then you yeah. get the cop, the cops say, I'm so curious. Yeah, they were like, what did and they told him, like, there's nothing we can do. Obviously, we're going to ask him to get out of your car, but we're not going to arrest him because <laughs> he did nothing wrong. <laughs> and the guy, yeah, they should have given me. They should have given you a ride. Yeah. But, um, the guy was like, he was trying to make stuff up. He was like, he tried to punch me. What? He, what is wrong with people? He was like, okay, wait a minute. You're saying you won't take him because he can't get out of the car. But, <laughs> but also, he's Jackie Chan, and he's gonna beat you up. What? Horrible liars. Some acting lessons, because yeah. clearly they don't yeah. know how to have a paper bag. You know, as far as like people not getting it, like, most of them I just ignore and go on my day. The exception, like, if children are curious 
I always try to engage and I, you know, I get the parents' attention and I'm like, look, I want to explain. Yeah. I, I'm a normal person. I just can't walk, you know, let them touch the wheelchair, whatever, because if they weren't early, they're less likely to have the Totally. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I just, I keep, I try to remind myself, like, there's so many different cultures with so many different narratives about, you know, disability. I, I took a disability, you know, studies course in college, and it's like, in some cultures, disability was seen as, you know, a touch of the gods. And then in other cultures, it's seen as the worst possible thing. It's, um, you know, they used to throw, well, they still do in some places, but, you know, like discard babies <laughs> that had disabilities because it seemed mm -hmm. like a touch of Satan or sin or whatever. Mm -hmm. and like, you still have people that are brought up with those types of mindsets. And mm -hmm. right, so it is like the, I mean, and I've had that happen actually in New York a few years ago, I went to get, uh, I was here for my showcase, my graduate school showcase, my acting showcase. And I was just like, oh, I'll go get my nails done, you know? And I went to this one nail place and was gonna get a manicure and a pedicure, which I hardly ever do, but I was like, I'm gonna do that. And, yeah. um, and the woman was like, wouldn't let me get a pedicure because I couldn't get up into the, into the little, you know, seat, the little- Yeah, um, yeah. I was like, well, I can just put my feet like in the same, I can, you know, right. yeah. she's like, oh, no, 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 no. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, but I just realized like, I have no idea where she was from, where, what her background was, what she had been told. And you're right. Yeah. Kids, that's when it starts is like, if you indoctrinate young kids of like, oh, this is something to be afraid of, or this is a, a touch of evil, you know, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but that's what people think. I mean, we still have a lot of, you know, crazies who believe ridiculous religious things in this world. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a four-year-old granddaughter named Sophia. And Sophia obviously has grown up with me and a kid and accepts it. And accepts it to the point where they were at the beach in Florida and she's playing with a kid and she calls me Papa, not Papa, Papa. And she, my daughter, heard Sophia ask the other kid, is that you, Papa? And the kid was like, yeah. And she's like, Where's his wheelchair? <laughs> and, then, and then she said, can't he afford one? <laughs> that was hysterical because... Yeah. Well, and that's what I love. I love that. That totally shows that, like, ultimately the goal is to you know normalize or humanize those of us who are quote unquote different right because we're all different in the end yeah, um, yeah. that kind of thing shows that it's totally possible in this young person's brain you know your 
you're using a wheelchair has been normalized for her. So she ex expects that everybody, everybody's papa uses one, you know? Yeah. I mean, in the same way, like I have a four-year-old niece and now when she sees the little um, blue, you know, uh, yeah. Like symbol. yeah yeah exactly you have them right on your wall but she thinks that's mine like that that's my it's like yeah. she goes around she's like oh there's reagan that's it's your it's your sign your yeah. sign i'm like yeah. yeah i mean it's just i don't know the, and you're right so it's like that's when we can start to shift those perspectives is in young people and it is really important uh, yeah. and i can we can all have our minds shift like that. It's just as we get older, we get more stubborn and we aren't as willing to shift our brains, but we have the capacity. Oh, no, exactly. And uh, from what I've read about you and you also have a mutual friend in Peter Quinn. Yeah. Peter's cool. Yeah. We're working on developing a series together, actually on the disability movement, because my friend Chantal Woodyard was in on the beginning of that here in Denver in the 70s and 80s. It's a really cool project. And uh, with comes to fruition. Yeah. But, um, anyway, yeah, um, I forget where I was going with that, but, um, and, oh, uh, in talking to Peter and reading about you, I get the sense that, like, you're not out there to be a disabled actor. You're just an actress who happens to be disabled. Mm -hmm. That's how I am with comedy. Yeah. I, and I'm lucky that I have been blessed with, you know, the writing talent and the timing and so forth. So that people, people who get it see me used to comic. I mean, yes, I am a comic in a wheelchair, but you wouldn't describe Gary Seinfeld as a comic with black hair. Right. You know. I mean, it's, it's true, maybe not so much now, it's kind of gray, but sorry, Gary, but um, you know what I mean? People tend to see the disability first sometimes. And <laughs> it's funny, um, I'm, a Mexican descent, and I was somewhere down south, and this guy was like, we were having beers back in my drinking days, and he starts telling me this racist 
Mexican joke, and then he dawned on him. Oh, fuck. Oh. Mexican. Yeah. Oh, we call it the turn. He didn't know what, what is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I try not to let that stuff bother me. And again, it's like picking your battles. You know, I was made aware of a situation where someone a wheelchair which as a that's a weird term for me. I mean, I get it, but it's like, as a comedian, it's almost like I'm a wheelchair user and trying to quit, and I'm the one that, you know. But, but there was a wheelchair user who went into a bar and that sounds like a joke, like you guys walk into a bar, but it's not. Um, this weird YouTube went into this bar, and they said to the 20 people who get there to drink, they were like, okay, I gotta say that I'm saying it once. This is why I'm in a wheelchair. And they told their whole story. And people were like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. That, and that person thought they were spreading awareness, but they might have just done the opposite. Yeah, because then people are like, oh, those weird people are fucking nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and we are. We are. Or at, least, at least I am. But, yeah. Well, because we're artists, you know, but, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's that it's a, it's a real fine balance in terms of bringing our, disabilities or wheelchairs are, you know, into our art. I mean, I guess I, I think of it as like a yin yang where like one, one side of the, the yin or whatever is my, my just artistry. I'm an actor, I'm a director, I'm, you know, trained in theater. The other side is my disability. So they're always intertwined. And like, you know, the yin yang, like there's a little piece of each in the other um, and it's constantly recalibrating. So sometimes it's going to lean a little bit more heavily into my disability identity and what I'm bringing in that. Um, and then sometimes it'll just be purely about like, I'm an actor, I'm here, I'm playing a role. It doesn't really have anything to do with disability. Um, and it shifts a lot, but I do think, you know, because we show up in the world, the first thing people often see, as you said, with that guy, like it's, it's the wheelchair or it's the thing that that separates, we're, we're so, human beings are so, you know, um, <laughs> like uh, mono-conditioned uh, mono into their own like naive realism where they think everything, everything, 
the realism that they know is what everybody else experiences. Um, and it takes that, so when they see us, you know, it's different from their experience. And so it's like, oh, this is, this is how I see you being different from me, um, and, which is often like the wheelchair. But I think where we can, where we can make, make gains is in finding those things, whether it's in your comedy, whether it's in my acting of like, what are the, the universals, you know, between all of us as humans? Like we all have the same experiences regardless of whether you're doing them in a chair or, you know, I'm doing them with paralysis. Like what are those things that we can all laugh about? And then we can also, you know, point out, bring in those little pieces that are unique to our experience, you know, as having a disability, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, I think it's, it is a fine balance because if you, and it's a balance that you have to develop over years and years of doing your comedy, doing your theater right. and getting, to know, like, you know, what resonates with people? How can I sense what the audience is feeling right now? And then figuring out how to fine tune the extent to which you can bring it in and the ways you bring it in um, so that it doesn't overwhelm and so that you still connect on those other human levels um right. you know people regardless of whether they have disabilities or not and yeah. i think there's just more, uh, there's more conversation about it now than there i think has been i think generation z this group you know this young generation of kids who are like you know like your granddaughter and my niece i mean they're going to be putting it out there all over the place like and they seem very unafraid and bold around just like i mean i was on the bus the other night <laughs> and this young this young woman, I mean, she looked to be about 14, but I think she was maybe more like, you know, 22. But like, I got on the bus and, uh, and she's like, oh, I think you're going to this stop, but it's actually this stop you want to get off on. And then she like took off her jacket and jumped up to help me like take off the little, you know, the straps on the bus. And she was like, oh yeah. I was a woman studies major. And so I also like, you know, did some disability uh, studies training. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, but that's what oh, yeah. is like, you know, the wokeness yeah. or, or just the awareness. Like, I think they're oh, yeah. it's a different world. Um, it already is a different world because of all the pioneers like you that came up and, and pushed at a time where there was no one else out there doing it. And slowly but surely it's made progress. So that, you know, I, I really believe we'll reach a point at some point, at least in certain, in certain places um, around the world, I think we'll reach a point where it's like, you know, who cares if you have a wheelchair? Like we all like, and people with wheelchairs will be able to move through society just as easily as anybody else. At least I hope so. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I think, yeah, what we're looking for is inclusion not necessarily like special treatment, but, yeah. but, but just to have the same opportunities as yeah. anyone else, you know, and be able to succeed or fail based on our merit. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and based on the way society's been constructed, you know, literally like been built, sometimes it won't work for us. So we will need some sort of accommodation because um, no. it doesn't work for us the way it's been built. Um, and that's what I think people see as special treatment. It's like, no, this is just, it's like that, you know, it's, it, I'm sure 
you've seen or people have seen like the the depiction of like what equity is and it's like you know equity is just making sure that everybody has the same or a a comparable level playing field but when you're yeah. starting way back here because of disability because of race because of gender whatever just bringing you up there that's not special treatment that's just that's just equity um exactly yeah no i yeah. um, but, but go ahead no, I was just gonna say, but we're making strides. And I think, you know, the things that hit at, again, that's why I think comedy and what, what you do like is so crucial. And, and to some extent what I do too in theater, like those are the places where people go in and they open their hearts. They're, they're with other people in, in the flesh, you know, laugh yeah. and getting to a more emotional a, a really deep place of our shared humanity and that's where i think you start to kind of like as they say like change hearts and minds but it's true yeah. you can get people laughing together then automatically you cut through so much of the bullshit you know yeah. and that's where then you can start connecting as like human beings which oh, sounds yeah. like, but it's true no i agree um I do joke in my act about I used to hang out at a bar with other disabled people. And whenever a non-disabled person would walk in, we would yell, Norm? Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. Hey, because you know, it's kind of like a yeah. double entendre because it's great. That's putting a beautiful spin on that. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's what I try to do. I, I try to be funny and not just funny because I'm in a chair, you know. Yeah. And, and a lot of my material has nothing to do with disability. Dave Chappelle, who's one of my dearest friends and one of my biggest supporters, always says, you really did watch him before you judge. Just watch him. And you will, in his words, you will see how brilliant he is. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know about that. I think I'm just an idiot. <laughs> maybe uh -huh. up, but maybe well, it doesn't matter what you think about yourself. If yeah. Dave Chappelle says, hey, this guy's brilliant, put yeah. that on, on yeah. your card. Right. Um, There'll be a documentary coming up. I sent you a small proof of concept on it. It's yeah. Coming, yeah, it's coming along great. Um, we did part of the filming at Brewability, and you, you were friends with Tiffany, I believe. Mm -hmm. You know, and that, that's a great place. Josh Blue and I 
doing the Bronco. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. Hey, Bronco watch party tomorrow. Monday night football at That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, kick ass. I love that. Yeah. Are you going to be able to watch the game? Uh, I hope so. I, yeah, I think it's going to be, I just decided to do fantasy football with my family uh, first time, and I haven't done fantasy football since grad school, so we'll see how it goes. Picks, but um, but I'm excited to watch the Broncos. I'm excited for the season, you know. Hopefully, like a new coach, a new quarterback, yeah, a new owner, and one joke I'm doing now is you know, the people from Walmart are the majority ownership, which is great for me. Because I wanna, I want a chance to get a position as rollback. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm gonna try to get out to New York. I'm. I know we've been talking to the Tonight Show about doing an appearance I will let you know, but even if I don't, I might try to get out there and do some shows, maybe pop in a house stern. Howard's always fun to do. I bet you have a great time on Howard. I can't even imagine what it's like. The first time I did Howard, like, because he's really a nice guy. And, like, that does his persona on air or whatever. And I get it. And that half the battle is to not. you know, get caught up in that. But, like, the first thing he said in our interview was, you're a victim of terrible parts. And I cut, I cut him off and said, Howard, not a victim. Not like I was walking down the alley and terrible parts jumped my ass. Right, yeah. yeah. You're no more yeah. observable palsy than he is of like that big curly, you know, yeah. throw of hair that he used yeah. to have. But like right from then, he knew that I was a real comedian. And yeah. got along famously ever since. Okay. Um, one last thing, I know that you're up for um, a distinction or an award with the little video clip. Yeah. Yeah. I was nominated for a Strong Wheel Together Award with uh, from the United Spinal Association 
um, for the performing arts, which is very cool. So there's a video out there right now that people can watch on YouTube and then like it. It's only three minutes. It doesn't take very long. You can even, I think you can like it before you even watch the entire video. Um, so yeah, and the most, the person or video with the most likes will, will get the award. So, um, so it feels like a little bit of a popularity contest, which I'm never, I'm never yeah. really into those, but, uh, yeah. but I, I love that United Spinal is doing it to highlight people in all these different areas that have kind of, you know, made an impact from, from, uh, being in a chair. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I will share that link. Thanks. in the comments so that people can watch and like and share and all that good stuff. Yeah, all that good stuff. I appreciate yeah. that. But thank you for spending some time with me. Thank you. Yeah, I look forward to hanging out sometime this Oh. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll meet up on the streets of New York. Yeah, exactly. And mean the, yeah, the mean street. We can have how stern as our bodyguard. I love it. Yeah. I yeah. That's it feels like a good place to put him. Yeah. Okay, well, have a great Sunday. Go Broncos. All right, go Broncos. Woo! Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.